All right, it is August the 10th, 2023 on our prayer list. We have Marcos for his son. He's wanting to see his son saved and for his family. Uh, for Susan, continued healing with Christian's mom. Jerry Scott, a friend of mine, for blessings for him. And I should add Johnny Goins, too. He's needing help. Larry McCoy, blessings for him. Maybe find a job down this way and come home. Janice and Gail, they, they pray with us. They read this card. Vassy and Linda and John and Ruby, they're uh, friends of the Bible study and, and this podcast. Marta and Charles and Sebron for the Lord to bless in every way they need. Reverend Davis's wife, Miss Carrie Davis, alone, but he, she's got her grandchildren and one or two that's with her, and I think one of her adult children too. Reverend Davis passed away earlier in this year, uh, as I guess everyone knows, except maybe John. I don't know if you ever met. The black gentleman. Yes, he passed he away. Passed? Yes, he did. Yeah. He looked like he was in pretty good shape. Well, he was 81 was or 2. Was it sudden? Uh, it was his heart went bad right quick on him. Yeah. All right, but, um, you know, we know he is with the Lord for certain. Our children, our grandchildren, Osman and his church in the Gambia. Bob's son, Mike, for peace and understanding. And um, hadn't lost his sister. Maybe he would draw toward the Lord for this troubled time. A friend of Lisa Long's, Jane, for wellness. Pray for the people in Europe, our so-called leaders in the government. Pray for strength and wisdom to serve our Lord and King. It's a good prayer. Eric, Rex, Ted, John, America. The wildfires in Hawaii, Maui, there have been 36 people killed already. And I think a lot will be missing and be found also to have passed away. A lot of them are diving into the ocean. Did you hear that to get away from the flames? I'd rather drown than be burned. They're starting potentially. Our co worker, James Bill, and his, you know, that the Lord would bless. Bill's and his lady's relationship. And um, Teresa Sowers and um, getting a knee replacement. Second. She's had one done. And now doing the other one? Doing the other yeah. one. Had it done day before yesterday and hopefully she can get around because she runs a daycare now. Oh Chris boy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's job right there. Yeah. Rug Rat Patrol, I call it. Um, lost loved ones and raised family draw the children to the look you know that they've been trafficked in the way that they have been I see idiots in DC I don't know what we need to pray for them either get saved or get out and um, answers to a prayer request let's uh, join hands And Lord, we praise you, thanking you for our very lives, thanking you for a place that 
we could have a study such as this, knowing, Lord, that there are places in the world where it is not allowed and harsh punishments for some who would gather together and lift you up. And we know that Satan hates that. And he uses his instruments of human government to try to stop the prayers because he is being hurt by them. He is restrained and confounded by the prayers. As Brother Chuck Missler, Lord is now with you, said one time, the prayer is the artillery of the Christian. And I believe that. And we do pray believing. Lord, we've read this list and you know the, you know the needs. And perhaps even in this very moment, the needs of someone else, someone's calling to mind that they thought, well, I should have written that down. Well, Lord, you know the thoughts, you know the hearts of everyone here. And we lift everyone up. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let's start it. We're just going to meander around a little bit tonight. Psalm 46. Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. There is a river, the streams, whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. Let's read verses 4 and 5 again. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, in the midst of this river. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations He hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. The Psalms can comfort us to the point that we don't fear what man can do. It's natural to start thinking about, well, have you seen what they got going on here now? Have you seen what they're putting in our food? Have you seen, you know, they're going to try to poison us. 
you know, pray over what you eat, but you have to believe. You have to believe. If you don't believe, then you don't get your answer. You don't get what you ask for. Looking into the Gospels, you know, Mark uh, 11 and 24, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Also says in verse 25, And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. We can't get God's favor while we are holding grudges against anyone. And yes, we all encounter people in our lives that have done us wrong, may have cheated us, may have hurt a loved one. We must let God handle that. We can't decide we're going to take care of it. And we're going to hold this grudge. And vengeance is mine, saith me. If that is in your heart, and you ask God to bless your food, to take the poisons out that may or may not be being put in it, He won't do it. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Well, let's try it without the air conditioner so Ray can get out of the penalty box. (laughs) Can you switch that off for me, James? Maybe it'll stay. It's a button in the... There it is. Yeah, you need to come back where you can get to your Bible, Ray. I should have got the fan instead. 1 Timothy 4. Verse 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There are a lot of doctrines of devils. There are churches out there, they're teaching um, Kingdom Now, they call it. And uh, that William Branham cult believes this way. That we've got to prepare the earth. We've got to get the gospel out and get as many saved as possible and, and defeat and overcome evil and just make it such a nicer place that Jesus will just look down from heaven and say, wow, I love what y'all have done with the place. I think I'll come on down. You find that nowhere in this Word. Nowhere. How do they call themselves a church and believe lies like that? You know, another so-called church that honestly troubles me, doctrines of the Church of Christ, I can deal with them claiming if you're not immersed and baptized that you'll go to hell. They claim that. So if you happen to 
come to the Lord on the way to the ground in a jet airliner that's going down. You're just up the creek unless maybe it crashes in the ocean. Um, but the bigger problem with them, they have no eschatology. They're not remotely interested in it. They're, you know, they'll tell you, oh yeah, the Lord's will return one of these days. Let's, you know, roll up our sleeves and get out here and get all this stuff done. Got the cupcake ministry to tend to. Got to raise enough money to build new bathrooms for the church. And we want a basketball court too. Um, if you believe the words of Christ, you believe this Bible. That God has indeed sanctified His Word from Genesis through Revelation. And seen to it that it's not riddled with error. You've got pastors so-called. So, well, there's uh, mistakes in the Bible. Yeah, you can't believe every bit of it. It is, you know, it's, you know, impossible. What about, what about this new? Uh, is either in Alabama or Mississippi? Forget which. But there's one preacher preaching that Christ was eighty-five percent wrong. <laughs> All that Jesus did was eighty-five percent wrong. And he calls himself a preacher. He's serving Satan. Yeah. Um. There's so much of it out there. And, you know, I'll see somebody on, uh, like, with word of mouth on Facebook, new to the area, looking for a good church. And you're just going to let anybody and everybody tell you about their, quote, good church? How do you know it's a good church? Everybody going to church thinks theirs is the right one. And they may be looking for a cupcake ministry anyway. You know, just a social gathering. But, um... Doctrine needs to be taught correctly. And in places that there is any doubt or any question about a particular subject matter, you have to be open to the other point of view because iron is supposed to sharpen iron. We believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. I used to say I could make the argument for the post-trib rapture. I can't do that anymore because the more I've looked into it and studied it, I can't with a straight face make an argument for post-trib rapture. It won't work like that. But uh, there are people that don't believe in the rapture. They, you know, they just don't even have any interest in heaven even. What's it going to be like? We've talked about that in this study. Uh, if you really believe you're going somewhere, you look into where you're going ahead of time. You won the ticket to, to uh, Gatlinburg, Dollywood, you want it. You're going to get to go. All expense paid. Well, before you go, you'll be looking on line to see what's down there. What else can I do while I'm there? And uh, you're looking at it for, for, with anticipation. Uh, to me, someone calling themselves a Christian who's not interested in what heaven might be like and what God has certainly told us here, they don't care you get the idea they may not even think they're going. So, verse 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared as with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats or certain foods which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. You have to believe, you have to know the truth, 
And you thank, you thank God for that, whatever that food is. Thank Him for it. Verse 4 says, For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. If you stand on the absolute truth of the word, God honors that. You can pray over a roadkill possum with flies on it. And if you're starving to death, ask him to sanctify that and you can eat it. He said you could even drink deadly poison and not die from it. Go ahead. Well, you don't test God. You don't do it on purpose. It's like these snake handlers. You know, they, they're godless people. You know, these aren't real churches. And see, that is the problem. There's a lot of fool's gold out there. You know, they say that the way they teach bank tellers to spot counterfeits is they make a study not of counterfeits, they make a study of the real thing. What does a real $20 bill look like? How does it feel? Then when the counterfeit comes through, an alarm goes off. They can, something's not right about this one. So you have to know the truth, the truth of the Word of God. And if you want His blessing, if you want to ask for anything in prayer, you have to believe that you will have it. Your food is sanctified by the Word of God in prayer. I see these lists, so look what they're going to make us eat. They're going to make fake meat. I'm not eating that. But if there was nothing else, and I thought I wouldn't die of hunger, I could ask God to bless it. I could ask Him to sanctify it for the purpose of my nourishment. I got enough fat on me that'll live to way past the rapture, I hope. Um, but never fail to pray over your food. Thank Him for it and ask Him to bless that food. Those two things. And He will. And you'll, you'll be well from it. You'll, you'll, you'll be protected. The Gospel of John, chapter 15. He says in verse 7 of John chapter 15, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, someone will immediately go, well, you know, uh, give me the winning lottery numbers, God. I need those winning lottery numbers. Read the verse again. If you're abiding in him, and his words are abiding in you, would you ask such a ridiculous thing? You would not ask for that. He taught his disciples not to even worry about tomorrow. He taught them to look at the lilies of the field, how well they were dressed, at the birds, and how well fed they were. And he says, you're worth more than many sparrows. You won't ask for such a thing. You would ask, what are some things you might ask for? Things that would deepen your relationship with God. 
Lord, teach me more. Show me the passages and help me connect the dots. I hunger for truth, and your word is truth. Help me, Lord, to understand more. If you abide in me, he said, and my words abide in you. You know, when Abraham was debating for the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah with the Lord, and this would have been the pre-incarnate Christ because he's standing there in front of him, talking to him. The first of all God's creations was a body for himself. And that body is Jesus Christ. That's God's body. And that's how he fashioned us in his image. And that's how he interacted with mankind then and may at times do it now. I don't know. Here's a good verse that goes along with that just here. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Good. That's in James, right? Yeah. Chapter 4, verse 3. Yeah. So you're asking for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I'm asking for the winning lottery numbers. Now, God knows that that winning the lottery has destroyed people, destroyed families. Satan is, is real good at using greed to divide families and to divide even brother or sister in Christ. But he says, if, if my words abide in you, the words of his Bible, these words, you read them or you listen to them, you remember them. So Abraham's debating the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah and it goes at 50. If there's 50 righteous people, would you spare the city? And and the Lord said, yes, I would do it for 50. And then Abraham got to thinking, I guess, there probably ain't 50 good people there. What about 40? Yeah, I, the Lord said, I, I'd spare the city if there were 40 good there. Now there's a lesson here too. There's a lot of sermons going on about how God's going to drop the dipper on America and he's going to blow up Yellowstone and it's going, it, that's going to be it. And it would be. It, 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 uh, the, the nation would completely collapse. But God was for the sake of even a handful of righteous people not going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So he isn't going to destroy the place where he has us right now while we are here. How do we know that? Because he took Lot and his family out of of, uh, Sodom before before they destroyed it. The angels told Lot, we can't do anything until you leave. Obviously, the Lord had given them orders, go destroy these, these two cities. Go destroy them. But you can't destroy until Lot and his family have left. Was Lot perfect? (laughs) No, he wasn't. Um, And we know the account. Uh, I guess he didn't he father children with his daughters or something to that effect. And um, they made him drunk. And, you know, probably everybody around this table has been drunk at least once or twice. And you can do some really bad things. 
Right, Bob. <laughs> well, you're not preaching to the choir here. Yeah. I was pure snow, um, but I drifted. Right. But Lot, according to Peter's account of Lot, he was a righteous man vexed by the place where he was living and the lifestyle of those around him. And God had mercy on him. You can, you can get corrupted by those around you and you can do the wrong thing, but God looks on your heart. He looks on your heart. I mean, he should have never pitched his tent towards Sodom. He did. He sure did. That was a mistake. He thought that would be a better place, better land. You know, always make the humble choice. Don't, I mean, you'll never be let down. You know, if there's a choice between two whatevers, two lawnmowers, and, you know, you and your buddy are offered them, and, and you get first dibs, and you look, and you see one of them's a, pretty good John Deere and the other one's a, you know, a Troy built or something not quite as good. Take that one. Take that one and God will bless you with it and that John Deere will blow up probably. <laughs> no, you hope that wouldn't be the case. But, um, you'll never be sorry that you took the humble choice. So I'm sure Abraham knew Lot would choose the direction he chose. And, uh, in life, you, you've got to you've got to be watching out and and and, and not pitch your tent towards self. Put yeah. your place, put yourself in places where you could be allured. You know, right? I mean, you should be running from those places. Yes, you should not. Don't get tempted. But you know, he tells us even then, if you're tempted, he's making a way out, isn't he? He will make a way out. That's this right. is first. Corinthians, I think, 10. I think it's 1 Corinthians. I know it's chapter 10. He'll make a way for you to get out to avoid it. Yeah, Mr. Noah had the same situation. Yeah. We got eight people out of there. It's the same thing, yep. Had to get them out before the flood would come. But Abraham got all the way down to 10. What if there's 10, only 10? And he's getting real real sheepish about it, if you remember the account. He's like, Lord, just, just let me just ask. I'm so sorry. Let me, not, let me not trouble you except one more time if there be ten. And he said that he would save the city for ten. I don't know how many righteous people are in this country and in each county of each state or parish of each state. You think he was getting a little apprehensive about asking anything below 10 like he may have gotten caught up in that <laughs> yeah um, maybe so he was how about eight? even um, god said i'll save it for 10 five so let's um, let's not assume he's going to wipe us out and i may have touched on this last week and if i did forgive me but i'll mention it again you know they're claiming well they're going to black us out with an emp and we're going to lose all of our power grid and we're going to be in the dark ages you know what that would do it would take Satan's instruments from him. He is not an omnipresent person. He is only in one place at one time. The only way he can interact is through his demon network 
And if you look at Revelation, the image of the beast, you're going to see it on the screen of your computer, your TV, all around the world. Power will continue. I don't think God wants power blanked out, and I definitely know the devil don't. Not for any length of time. But one of the things Abraham said was, Far be it from you, Lord, to, to kill the righteous with the wicked. No, you wouldn't do that. So, and I think that probably made the Lord happy. It, it showed him, not that he needed to be shown, but it indicated <coughs> that Abraham knew his character. You wouldn't do that, he said. Far be it from you to kill the righteous along with the wicked. Every time you study the Bible, you find new indicators that Calvinism is a damnable satanic lie. Because the Calvinist would say, oh, you can kill anybody you want to. Lord, you want to do it, you can do it. and you can Put them on in hell and don't give them a chance. Um, Abraham said, no, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't kill the righteous with the wicked. And that blessed God that he said that. But then it turns out that there weren't even ten. It was just Lot and his family. And the cities got destroyed. The only thing holding back nuclear Armageddon right now is God himself. The only thing, the only reason that that COVID virus didn't kill hundreds of millions, if not billions of people, was because God didn't let it happen. It was meant to kill. They used um, King Cobra venom. This Chinese scientist, I think he was in Pittsburgh, he's a United States citizen, he figured it out. And he was going to the cameras and just happened to get robbed and shot dead in the parking lot of the facility where he worked. The Chinese guy? Yes. Yep, that happened. We're starting to see quite a bit of that happen around the world. A lot of people, they're taking them out. But you know, you, you, you know, we have to be in Christ to make any claims of being 10 foot tall and bulletproof. In Christ you are. Your day will come when it's time to go to Him. But until then, He'll spare you. He'll look after you. He's not going to let you die of some chemical that somebody put in your grease cups. Thank Him for them and believe He'll bless it and eat it. He doesn't take the calories out of ask that. He doesn't do that. That was a joke. But, uh, so anyway, um, let's realize who we are in Christ. Let's realize who we are in Christ because we're not vulnerable to this world. We are absolutely not vulnerable to this world. Psalms again, maybe 91. He that dwelleth 
in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. As we read this, folks, imagine in your mind's eye what total societal collapse might look like. Maybe you've watched a movie or two that sort of depicts that. And you kind of got that in your mind. All these renegades running everywhere. You know, like the Mad Max going on thing. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Pestilence is a disease. Will God deliver you from phony rony 19 COVID? Yeah, He delivered a lot of people from that. <laughs> he shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Do we believe this, though? Because if you don't, then you can't claim it. If we stand in the midst of this end of the world, end of day scenario we're imagining, and we say, Lord, you said a thousand fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it wouldn't come nigh me. You said that. You wrote that. And I believe it. Must believe it. Belief is the key that ignites the power of God. He's not going to lift a hand for those who do not believe, for those who doubt. You just have to trust Him. You have to trust Him. You know, if you... Let's say I sell you a lawnmower. Like using lawnmower analogies. Seems like it. Yeah. Um, and you say, I, I need it. I, I, I need to get my grass cut. Town's on me about it or whatever. I don't have the money this week. I'll have it next week. So, all right. Fair enough. 100 bucks. So, I'll bring it to you next week. And you're friends. And you've known each other for years. And he comes with folding bills and he said here's your money and you just stick it in your pocket don't you don't you or do you take it out and count it because if you take it out and count it it's a way of telling your friend you know I don't completely trust you you just stick it in your pocket if I believe God has taken care of some medical issue and I really believe it Am I going to show him that I don't believe it by going and getting it checked out by a bunch of secular, often demon-hacked, so-called doctors? No. You must leave it all to him. 
but you have to believe. You have to believe. Verse 8, Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Do you believe that? And when they trot out the next virus, they want to lock you in your own homes. When they trot that out, you're going to shiver and quake and go get your test at uh, Walgreens and ram that thing up your nose. Are you going to trust that God's got this? He's going to take care of it. I've said it here before. I'll mention it again. Uh, January 26, 2022. Me and two friends. We were have a band. We were practicing for a show in August of last year. Played music for about two hours. And everybody got sick. And it was like a flu. And by Tuesday, we did this on a Saturday. By Tuesday, the, the drummer writes and says, you better get to the doctor get checked out. I got COVID. Well, it's interesting because he'd had both shots and a booster shot. And so had the guitarist, both shots and a booster shot. He writes, says, I've checked mine out. Went to my doctor, yeah, it's COVID. And they told me, well, Danny, you better go get checked out. I said, why? I already know what it is. I know what they'd tell me, I guess. You know, just ride the storm out. I got well quicker than they did, even though they have better health than me. And then the drummer's wife got the exact same symptoms, went and got checked out. Nope, you don't have COVID. This is like nailing jello to a wall, the stupidity of this all. It really is. And just don't get wrapped around that axle. What do you believe? Do you believe that God will, well, he'll either restore me or he'll take me home? Well, they've already come out with new, new bars for the next pandemic. It's COVID, and it's going to be five times, it's a form of COVID, mm-hmm. but it's five times worse than what the original was. And we'll see what God lets them do, won't we? But it will only be... interesting at number five. Uh, my number of division. So you only see this stuff with your eyes because you've, you're not going to experience it. Verse 8. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. See, Satan knows that verse, doesn't he? Because he used it in Matthew 4 against our Lord. He knows this Bible better than any of us. Mm-hmm. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. The young lion and the dragon shall thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him I will set him on high because he hath known my name. God is saying, if you set your love upon him, you love him, you trust him, you believe him, he will do what? Deliver you. 
and set you on high. Verse 15, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Isn't that amazing that God would do this? And what's your part? Believe him, love him, seek his face. Seek time with him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And we see long life there. We think, well, I'll get to live 80, 90 years. Long life is eternal life. Long life means eternal because some children die very, very young. But they're in God's hands and their life is long. Their life is long. Just as ours will be if we seek Him, believing Him. Look at Proverbs 4. You know, this body that we have is what we got to get along in this realm of our existence. And it's all we know, this realm of our existence. So we're particular about our body, or we're supposed to be. I guess I'd eat better and exercise more if I was that worried about it. But um, This is all we know. So it's certainly natural to want to have your body healed when something's gone wrong, you got a pain, you got, you know, upset stomach, you know, aching joints it's certainly expected and absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to be well wanting to be healed look at verse 20 in Proverbs 4 my son attend to my words incline thine ear unto my sayings Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Keep his words in the midst of your heart. Verse 22, For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Is God telling you that his word is all you need to be well? Yes, that's what he's telling you. And, you know, we will have our ups and downs and aches and pains and viruses that come on us and other things. We'll have that. We'll have seasons of such things sometimes. You know, we read Psalm 91. They'd all but written John Hagee off. He was dead. He was as good as dead. That's what everybody seemed to be thinking in the hospital. Big old dude. Big around as two me's. So they think, well, his health, you know, couldn't be that good. He's probably in his late 70s then. He meditated on Psalm 91. He prayed Psalm 91 over and over again. And what happened? God restored him. God got him up out of that hospital bed. And put him back to work, preaching the word, getting out the truth of the gospel. 
and tell him about all the shots that were fired at him when he was. He was a younger pastor, I think. He was some guy. Just I guess he had a little five shot, or maybe a revolver six. I don't know. Come up the uh, center aisle toward the pulpit and emptied that revolver at John Hagee and didn't hit him one time. He's a pretty big target. Should have been pretty easy. <laughs> Shouldn't have been hard to miss, but you know he missed it. God deflected the bullets. So you said it was on either side of his body, like maybe an angel was sitting there, sweet, moving that barrel back and forth where he couldn't hit him. Well, this is what happened when those storms come rolling through. And I'm assuming this was Monday. I was watching it on the radar. And on my phone, I was sitting on the front porch, and boy, you could hear that, couldn't you, Ray? That was roaring. Y'all heard it? <laughs> they said it was swirling, showing swirls on the radar, which is how the tornadoes form. And the longer I looked at it, the larger that red spot got. And it was heading straight for Whistville. So on my radar app, it's a blue dot wherever you are. And it was headed like it was headed straight for me. But I remember just looking at the sky and just saying, Lord, you are so powerful. When the heavens roar, that is your voice. This is amazing. I don't want to foolishly be in harm's way here. I will go down in the basement. (laughs) But I want to see it get a little closer. Well, it got closer. And finally the rain, I started feeling the rain. I was about to go in. And then I started being a little concerned because they had tornado warnings out. And as the Lord is my witness, and I wouldn't lie before him, or certainly not about him too. I put my hands up like this, facing west. I said, Lord, it would not be wrong to ask, would you spare us? Would you spare us? And when I said us, I meant all of our loved ones, members of this study, my grandchildren, you know, anyone, family members that's right here in Woodsville. You spare us. And would you believe, you should believe it, because it's true. It's split. Did you see that, Gordon? I was in Cedar Springs. I didn't get to see it here. It split. Mm-hmm. It got right to the outskirts of Whiffville and came in half. Part went north, part went south. Mm-hmm. And we got virtually nothing from it. God. And when I was thinking, surely, he wouldn't just let me ask that and do it. But why should I have thought that? I should have thought it would be okay. And by his Holy Spirit said, remember, Elijah was a man like any of the rest of us. He was just a man. But he prayed and it didn't rain for three years. And he prayed then and it did. It's not wrong to ask God for things like that. I trust that it wasn't his will for that storm to hit us. But you do have to ask because it it was doing it. It was on its way and it wasn't going to be good. So, you know, we serve an awesome God. He can call things which are not as if they are. And vice versa. He wants you to ask him. He wants you to bring his word up. He wants you to bring his word up. Think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4. 
you know, the devil is tempting him. Verse 1 of Matthew 4. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. God's Holy Spirit led him up there so the devil could tempt him. But he wanted us to see something. He wanted to show us something. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, excuse me, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's the key right there to this whole passage. You're not living by bread alone. You live by the words that come out of the mouth of God. Those words can heal your body. Those words can split up a storm and spare you. So, the devil keeps on. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and sitteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest thou at any time that dash thy foot against a stone. We read that psalm, right? <laughs> Satan used that psalm. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Should we talked about that last week, about some of the Hollywood <clears throat> celebrities selling or sold to the devil. Yeah. And Jerry gave me a little insight here. I didn't realize that. that like Taylor Swift said that she sold her soul out to the devil. Well, that's right. Well, how is it that she becomes empowered? And it's not that she becomes empowered. It's the people that, you know, are her sponsors and all that start to give her stuff that normally she may not have wanted to sing or do. But now that she sold her soul to the you devil, gotta do, <clears throat> gotta do it. she's doing it and she's making buku bucks for doing that. And it's like, what a scary proposition. And so many people have done that in their lives. Oh, yeah. And for money, for fame... And the strange thing to me is people like Henry Kissinger, heck, he's got to be 100. <clears throat> Does he think he's going to live somehow forever? He's not concerned about <clears throat> where he's going to end up for eternity. What's that, endochrome? <clears throat> adrenochrome. They say they get it from aborted babies. What is it? It's called adrenochrome. <clears throat> it's a, he gets adrenalized blood. You guys know so, so much more than I do. They, it's flushed out. So like, new if we, like if you if you uh, like if you got in a car car wreck and you see it coming and they t- check your blood, it'll be full of adrenaline. Yes. Yeah. And so 
Adrenalized so they scare these children. And kill them and take, take the blood. Well, they're being aborted, and they probably do kill young children. Yeah, they do. It's absolutely. What was he like? A Kissinger man or Kissinger? Henry Kissinger. Yeah, he. He's at the Paris Peace Accord, right? Trying to put together the end of the Vietnam War. I've heard the name, but I guess I don't get out of the mountains. Come on, every Thursday we're right here. I don't even watch TV no more. I don't blame you on that one. Hey, Bob, going back to Taylor Swift, they said on the other day that the dancers, her backup, whoever sings with her, whatever, our drivers and our staff, she gave them $55 million in bonuses. Well, I hope they don't take that for their souls. That's what I call spreading the wealth off. <laughs> <laughs> but notice in this uh, passage. Uh, uh, nice discussion. I'm remembering the 10th commandment. Thou shalt not covet. Thou right. shalt, you know, or thou shalt I usually not don't. Want, want when we <laughs> give ourselves over to want. We've lost the battle. So you can't miss what you don't have, right? Yeah. Well, Paul. And if you said, don't know, if you don't know a thing, the Lord won't hold you accountable to that thing. That's you, right. If you right. have the information, then right. you're expected to act. As we as we grow in the world, we're actually hindering ourselves with the Lord. Yeah. We can. Yeah, but I. But it's human nature to covet. Paul confessed to coveting. Oh, yeah. In Romans 7. You know, he said, I wouldn't have known what coveting was except the law convicted me. And he, you know, I'd covet. Then you figure he would. He's walking everywhere. And here comes a four horse Roman chariot blowing him off the road. Wish I could, I could get to Macedonia a whole lot quicker if I had one of them. <laughs> um, notice, though, in this passage four in Matthew horse. 4. Um, in Matthew 4. What what do we see that Jesus has taught us here? He's contending with Satan himself. Mm-hmm. Now, Satan is a fallen angel, and Satan bared him up, and God the Father let him do it, and Jesus was willing, and he tempted him. But at no point did Jesus do anything other than rebuke Satan with the Word of God. That's all you need. Sorry. That's right. So you don't need any special uh, incantations or you don't need to call on anyone. If you have this word and it's hidden in your heart and you whip that arrow out and send it, it's written, man shall not live. Right. There is power in the word. In Ephesians, isn't there... uh, Something in Ephesians about arm yourself with chapter six. I'll tell you what, let's read that and we'll wrap it up with that. Thank you, John. <clears throat> the full armor of God. It's uh, chapter six. Uh, <clears throat> start at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, he's saying pray for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, and that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Prayer and supplication, what's the difference? Prayer, you're praising God. You are thanking Him, praising Him, seeking Him, wanting to get to know Him better. Supplication, give us this day, our daily bread. Lord, I need provision. I'm just asking for provision. You know, uh, no young man's got no vehicle right now. His, uh, he hit something in the road and knocked a hole in the oil pan. And <coughs> by the time he realized he had no oil, the engine had locked up. Excuse me. Who's this? Uh, he works down at the log house with Forrest. Raymond. Right. He doesn't have a car now. But, um, you know, uh, so you can ask for things like that if you're in Christ. The other thing is the Lord will use things like that to get you to pay attention, to get you to a point where you will submit to Him. My dad would have never professed Christ and asked to be baptized if he wasn't dying. But I believe his profession of faith was true. And... Um, he was on his deathbed. He couldn't get dunked in the river, so I guess Church Christ people think he didn't make it. But <clears throat> they brought a big bowl of water and let his head back in it and poured it over his head. Does Church of Christ that? The Church of Christ thinks you've got to be immersion baptized. Yeah. And they think also that that's what saves you, that yeah. which is called John's baptism in um, Acts chapter 19. They were immersed and baptized. Well, Paul said, well, that was John's baptism. Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit yet? That's the different one. That's the one that saves you. You know, Apollos was teaching having only John's baptism, it said in the end of chapter 18. Mighty in the Scriptures, Apollos was, it said. But then a lowly couple, Priscilla and Aquila, had to pull him aside and teach him the Word of God more perfectly. He, he didn't have it just right. He didn't have it just right. But you know, it's the when the Holy Spirit, when you the the, the water baptism is 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 a picture. 
And God is very much into those pictures. Of shadow pictures of something all throughout the Old Testament, everything, pretty much. It was. You know, the Passover lamb, picture of Christ. Well, being immersed in the water and being risen anew, it's a picture of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you come out born again. And it changes you. And with me, it was a kind of a gradual thing. And it sneaked up on me even. I thought I was saved, but it really wasn't. And, and I'm so thankful. So thankful. Because I used to blaspheme God pretty awful. You know, I did. I, you know, and I, the first time I read this, I know I said I was going to close it. Let me just do this. I cried. I really did. Because I had felt pretty guilty about some of the things I had done and said about the God who made me. And I sure did. And I'm going to First Timothy. <clears throat> it's in chapter 1. Verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I didn't hurt people, but boy, I hurt them in their spirits. I'd get me a 12-pack of beer and just point me at the Christians because they couldn't defend what they believed. I am so sad that I did that. But now, I'll teach you how to defend what you believe. That's a gift God gave me. I'm very thankful. And I know how atheists think, too. As a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. I acted in ignorance and unbelief. God had mercy on me. All right. Brother Johnson, honored to have you with us. Would you close us tonight? Well, I'm a simple man, but I will be, yeah. Heartfelt prayer. Yeah. Amen. Dear Lord, we uh, here are here before you. And Lord, we ask that you uh, go before each and every one of us in our daily lives. And, uh, Lord, we ask that you guide us and direct us and help us to uh, bring our brother back to you. Yes. And this we ask, Lord. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen.